Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? What's up, amorphous blobs of goo? That's right. We're talking about Carrion, a game where you play as an amorphous blob of goo. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it rocks. <laughs> it uh, really fucking rocks. Yeah. Jesus. It, uh, it rocks a lot. It's the offbeat Metroidvania game for everyone saying, why are there so many Metroidvania games? Because <laughs> it's not like all the other ones, and you should play it. <laughs> it's super unique, and... Uh... You know, this was one of those games that I saw the trailer for, and I was not interested at all. And then I put my hands on it, and it just feels great. And I think that feel doesn't translate to a trailer, you know? Yeah. And that's why we're here to talk about it. Yeah, totally agree. But before we do that, as always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get extra episodes every week. Uh, we also have a discord. You can jump in and talk to us, a band camp where you can buy music and merch and the links to everything are at zero brightness.com. Yes. Also, oh, yes. It's, it's retro but- month. <laughs> yeah, so retro month. Are yeah. we cheating? Is this a retro even? Yes. So I, I say yes. I mean, Carrion is a 2D Metroidvania game mm-hmm. uh, in the broadest sense. Everything else about it is kind of not like that. But it's got the gla- the graphical style of sort of like how you remember a Sega Genesis game looking. It's obviously way too beautiful and graphically complex like for yeah. the Sega Genesis, but it kind of has mm-hmm. that look, you know? Yeah, it has a flashback vibe or even, you know, uh, we keep bringing it up, Jurassic Park on Sega Genesis vibe. Yes. Um, it's So, you know, they're human models. They have realistic proportions. They look like they're rotoscoped. Um and everything kind of has like a mature, pixelated, sci-fi, futuristic vibe. Yes. But also dystopian because there's a fucking amorphous monster going around murdering everyone. And that's you. Yeah. So you're in this like underground sci-fi base uh, mm-hmm. that's built into a natural structure. So it's got that mix of sci-fi and like natural environments like you know jungles and you know underwater sections and things like that you gotta have caves because it's a metroidvania game hella caves uh and yeah you play you start up the game and you're playing as this monster Mm -hmm. uh it's you're basically a blob uh and you can grow tentacles and more of yourself (laughs) uh but the main mechanic especially in the beginning is you're a blob you can grab things and manipulate them with your tentacle and yeah yeah you just got to get around so you know okay carrying is a metroidvania game you're uh, you're in a hub world there are other smaller worlds that you can't get to until you unlock abilities blah 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 typical metroidvania stuff but then you know Another side of that coin is that there's like nothing else like Carrion. Yeah. Uh, this game feels wholly unique. 
And I did kind of try to like rack my brain to think of games that Carrion reminded me of. And loosely, this game reminds me of The Ooze for Sega Genesis. Do you remember that one? Uh, yeah, for sure. You, you were a green amorphous blob, and it was a like a top-down view. And then every time you got hurt, your blob got smaller until you died. It mm. kind of sucked. I never loved it. Um, but also, there's flashback for the Genesis. Also, uh, this game reminds me of Subterranea for the Genesis a lot, too. Yeah. Subterranea, you were like a little ship in a cave, and you had to kind of try to do some physics puzzles and it was a mixture of action and puzzles to get through an area and that reminded me of this a lot too yeah and then thematically it reminded me of uh inside from play dead Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna spoil inside for those that haven't played it but just go play it right now yeah this game there's a certain section of inside at the end that anyone who's played the game knows exactly what I'm talking about. And this game is like if you made that section an entire game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Very it's, true. It's way more fun. I think, you yeah. know, there's a few things that make this game really stand out from other Metroidvania games and that make it super fun to play. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll say this about the Metroidvania thing. I think this is kind of like the anti-Metroidvania. You know what I mean? Mm. Because... Yes, technically, you're moving through areas, you're opening up shortcuts, you're finding upgrades to progress, um, that all that good stuff. But the two things that really stand out to me, number one is that there isn't a map. Yes, number one problem of the game, biggest fucking problem with this game, there is no map. And honestly, well, I uh, don't think that's a problem. I actually disagree no, with you. Absolute problem, because I got stuck early on and I had no fucking idea what to do because I wasn't familiar with the game's flow yet. And I, I, I literally got stuck for 15, 20 minutes and I had to look up a map online and that's bullshit for a Metroidvania game. Well, um, see, so, look, my argument though, see, I don't agree with you at all. I didn't get stuck until the very end. And I do mm-hmm. think the end is a little bit bullshitty um, and, mm-hmm. and the, the, for a bunch of reasons. I don't love the end of this game. <laughs> like I love the rest of this game, but... okay. What I found with the lack of the map, I actually thought it was genius because no. this game, everything in it is like bite-sized. Like when you go in, there is a hub world, it's not very big. And when you go into an area, a new area, which there's like, I don't know, seven or eight areas, something like that, mm-hmm. um, you they're not huge. They are somewhat labyrinthine and traversal is the big puzzle in every area. So like there's a lot of one-way tunnels and things you have to figure out how to open doors, stuff like that. But yeah, the areas are all bite-sized when compared to any other game in the genre. So for me, I felt like I didn't need a map because I would figure out the layout quickly and then just find my way around. Well, let me explain a little bit about the progression. So you start in the hub world and you go into another world that might be like, I don't know, there's like a military processing facility or something like that. You go in and then you infect certain crevices in in the stage. And each time you do that, one, it becomes one of your like quick save points. And two, it slowly opens up a door to the hub world, but a different spot in the hub world. Now, when I started the game, you know, I did that for the first world, but in the second world, or maybe it was still the first world, I didn't realize that I had to exit out of that door I opened. So what I did is backtracked and went back to the hub world 
to find the door I opened. Mm. And I was so lost and confused. I was like, I know I opened the door. Where the fuck is this door? And ended up, it was back in the first world. And it, it for some reason, I didn't catch that. Maybe that was me being dumb. I but, feel like what you're describing, we're having the reverse of the last episode where okay. I was like, this game makes no fucking sense to me. This <laughs> game is not intuitive in any way. This game pissed me off. Like, mm. that's how you are with this game. But I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like this game is super intuitive because it's literally just like when you open a door, you go to the door, you know, yeah, <laughs> and maybe, like, maybe I didn't catch the visual cue or something the first time and I got confused or maybe I had smoked a little too much pot. I don't know. <laughs> See, I felt like, like I said, the reason I think this works is that the areas are all small. So like, yeah. So what you're describing, you're going through, you're opening smaller hatches. So you can open the big hatch. You will have to go past the big hatch in every area multiple times. So like you'll you? be, yeah i did i was always passing by the big hatch as i was playing and so i was like oh well i know that like when i open the big hatch it'll show Mm -hmm. you that it opens but you also like know where to go or i i knew where to go i don't know i felt like everything was really intuitive and that's a thing like with normal metroidvania games despite how much i've played castlevania and how much i love metroid and all that shit like I still end up opening my map a lot because I just yeah. usually can't get my brain around it fully. This game, I was like totally good. I had no issues until well, the gen- end. Until the generally, end. generally, I feel like I like Metroidvanias more that all exist on the same big map. But it, it didn't really hurt the experience for it to be like an overworld hub and then jumping into other different stages. It just gives it a little bit more flavor and. It does make it feel a little less open than something like Symphony of the Night, but I don't think it suffers for it. Um, well, that's I think the point of this game to me is like having you role play as this monster, basically. Mm, so, like you said, yeah. the, the way the game feels and the controls are like amazing, uh, and I'm sure we're gonna talk more about it. But like that is super amazing, and also like the way that you interact with the world and the way that you explore the world, it's very like tight. And claustrophobic so it really is putting you in the shoes of this monster where it's like okay i'm gonna go here i'm gonna clear out this area and just keep fulfilling my object my biological objective which is just to <laughs> to spread your mass everywhere and like slowly take over the whole station right yeah and so i yeah. think not having a map and not having the game be too open or overcomplicated was brilliant because you're not an adventurer you're not on an adventure you're like a beast that's following its yeah. biological imperative. It's really, I mean, the design of this game totally blew me away. Well, the closest thing you do get to a map is a sort of echolocation to where uh, your monster can scream. And when that does happen, you see these little visual cues on screen of where, um, <clears throat> of where all your infected crevices are. Mm-hmm. So you can know you're like close to a save point or something like that. And it also um, shows where the humans are, and it also intimidates the humans, which is, uh, it's just so sick to like do a scream before you attack, and it freaks out all the humans. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's talk about like that role-playing as the monster, because this game just fucking nails that. Because I really felt like I was playing a sci-fi action movie when I was like hiding in an air duct, and I pop out, grab a guy... His friends start shooting at me as I retract back into the air duct. And then I go around and like open a door from behind them and shoot at them and kill the rest. You know, yeah. it really makes you feel like 
uh, the xenomorph and alien or something like that. Like uh, you feel like apex predator, which is yeah. really cool. And I don't think a game has like ever really done that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because the, the reason that it feels so crazy is that your movement is insanely smooth and fluid, mm. like almost to the point where it feels like you're not even interact. You're almost not interacting with surfaces, right? You can just almost like fly around, but you yeah. are interacting with surfaces. And when you're in combat, you have to watch out like where you stick your tentacles because you might get shot and mm. lose your health. And yeah, so then the way that a lot of these rooms that have combat are designed is that there are alternate pathways, there are air ducts, there are people that you can mind control, there's like, Mm -hmm. you know, things you can manipulate, you can distract people. Uh, And that aspect of the game is so cool. And it just keeps ramping up as the game goes along. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah. And, and I don't even want to say everything you can do in the game because that's kind of the fun of the game is figuring out some of this stuff. Uh, yeah, like big there, spoilers. There's like you, some of your Castlevania abilities are like big spoilers in the game. Yeah. And so each time you find a new one, you're like, holy shit, that fucking rocks. And even like towards the end of the game, some of the sections that I found to be really frustrating were also mm-hmm. really incredible once I had figured out like a weird some weird tricks you can use to like yeah. get through those sections yeah. and like there's just so many great like oh shit moments in this game more or less yeah well and you just increasingly become more and more unstoppable because your your biomass grows and then you'll level up and your biomass will double uh twice through the game yeah so when you're when you're full you're like this huge monster yeah. i do want to go back and talk about what what you hinted on about moving and feeling so effortless when you move because there's gravity in this game but you never jump yeah. you're you're an amorphous mass with tentacles so when you press up on the stick you're going to shoot tentacles towards the ceiling and start moving towards the ceiling automatically right so movement is super fluid like you can really like just like whiz around platforms and hide behind a door or bust through a door and it'll feel so smooth and fluid and natural that you just really feel like you're at an extreme advantage over these humans, which is so, so it's so much the opposite of like a survival horror game. Like I, I'm playing through with evil within two and you're at such a disadvantage that entire game, but here you just feel like a total monster. Well, yeah. And I think that with the movement being so fast and fluid, it also makes the exploration really fun because like, if you clear out an area and you're trying to figure out your way out or something like it's really fun just to zip around and even if you get lost it's like you can lap the whole area like really fucking fast Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i i guess for me i was just comparing it to being lost in like a more traditional metroidvania game or being lost in like uh blasphemous or something where it's just like yeah horrible like that was horrible but in this (laughs) game it's like you might get frustrated with it but you can also figure it out fast because you can just zip around the whole stage yeah so um you can reach out and grab stuff with your tentacles too like later on you can do it with switches and stuff but generally what you want to do is uh eat people to get your biomass back and it's cool because you like grab a body and like chomp it in half and then it's like little legs will flail around and then you can grab its legs and eat it too uh it's just so like visceral and fun to like be a monster <laughs> Yeah, like, we have to talk about just how insanely gory and, like, disgusting Mm -hmm. this game is. Because, like, when you go into a room full of people, like, 
once you kill them, there's just body parts and blood everywhere. Yeah. It is so mm-hmm. fucking insane. Because, like, even beyond <laughs> the, like, nodes where you w- that are, like, scripted, where you go and deposit your mass and turn it into, like, a little rest point for yourself, yeah. uh, you're also going around killing people, spraying blood and ooze everywhere. And, like... Yeah. Just looking at a room after you've killed everyone is, like, so insane and <laughs> satisfying in a very fucked up way. I love the areas where you uh, backtrack a lot because the, the room just becomes, like, 100% completely saturated in blood. Yeah. Because wherever you go, you leave, like, a snail trail of, like, gore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Especially once you're larger, like you said, when you have the the most biomass, you're just like a mm-hmm. gore dragon. That's just like, yeah. Well, it's fun because it's like it's hard to tell where quote unquote you are when you're so huge. Like, okay, I'm trying to fit through this this uh, pipe, but I can't like push up in the direction, like because I can't tell where the center of this body mass is. And so you'll finally like squeeze squeeze through this large pipe and you end up being like 30 feet long and then you're like s- spilling out the other end. You, it, it's cool because like you're when you're filled with biomass, you're like the most powerful, but then you're also kind of like at your least controllable, you know? Yeah. And that's the, that actually really reminded me of that one part of inside because mm-hmm. you're like in inside i mean it's just so hard to control but in this mm-hmm. game it's it's not as difficult but it still is like very derpy uh and there's some pretty good like physical comedy involved in trying to like cram your giant body into like <laughs> air ducts and stuff uh yeah this yeah. game is it's it's a nice mix of being like actually gross and very slapsticky at moments yeah for sure well the story and tone is real serious, but the actual gameplay is where the wackiness comes out. Kind of like Hitman, you know? Yeah. But like I said, uh, I think it's a balance because even like when you're killing people, they scream in a really horrific way and oh, there's yeah. just like blood everywhere. And so it's it's not like, you know, I guess if you find that laugh out loud funny, you may need to like uh, talk to a professional. <laughs> but it is also kind of funny with all the like legs flying everywhere and just oh, like, absolutely. You know, it, it's a yeah. it's a nice it's that nice mix that is very hard to get in horror of any media. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll just drop into a room and like land on a big mech walker and try to rip the top off, and then you're like slamming the top into other humans, and then like flinging them around the room it's so sick it's like playing the blob or something but okay a a little bit about the story because you're kind of like dropped into this world as a monster and you like you escape from this little test chamber and then you just start killing stuff but every once in a while you'll be hit with like a flashback scene which seems like wholly unrelated but it's this guy he like lands in a helicopter and he goes to like uh I, I guess the disaster's already happened, and he's walking around trying to discover what the hell happened. So you know that, like, somehow you're tied to the scientist guy. Yeah. But uh, you don't know what happens until the end. But you just know, like, somehow this scientist and this monster are tied together. Like, maybe, maybe you were the scientist guy and turned into a monster, but you're not sure at all. And it kind of... That's really the only story in the game besides like the absolute mayhem that you're doing. 
Yeah. And it's, it's very simple, but it's very effective. Like Mm -hmm. it is really cool that the game, despite not having any dialogue and really only having these short flashback sequences where you play as the scientist that you were just talking Mm -hmm. about, uh, despite only having that, uh, it does have a central mystery and you do want to keep playing and see the end. So game is also short. It's four hours long, Mm -hmm. um, which is perfect. I think there, absolutely. There are a host of collectibles. Um, There is like an extra set of abilities and upgrades that you can search for that are optional. um, Yeah. Which is cool. So I I I didn't find a ton of them and I felt a hundred percent okay with that. Yeah. I think there's like nine and I think I found like three of them. Uh, Mm. But I also think, you know, that's the one thing that the lack of a map hurts because I think the, best way to find most of them would be to backtrack right before you finish the game. Uh, yeah. And like mm-hmm. doing that without a map is pretty brutal. Um, yeah. And the, the, the end of the game is kind of abrupt. So I was kind of, I was like, Oh, it's over, man. That was cool. But at the same time, like I didn't know it was like time to backtrack, but I found backtracking to be pretty painful because after I did beat it, I did go back and get a couple more abilities but it was, it was just such a pain in the ass going back to all the other different worlds that I didn't feel like uh, I wanted to finish it 100%. Yeah, that is kind of the push and pull of this game. Like, I've, I've said this about other games, but I definitely feel this way about this game, partially just because of, like, the speed, you know? Uh, yeah. There's some real Sanic-level speed in this game. <laughs> but, like, I feel like this game has fantastic forward motion, and mm-hmm. that's why yeah. I like the design of it, because if you're always moving forward and you're always just going to the next area, then you don't spend... I didn't spend personally too much time like Lost and Confused, but when you mm. get to the end, there are some parts where you need to backtrack or you need to explore a little bit more like you would in the traditional Metroidvania. And that was where I thought the lack of a map was frustrating. Um, yeah. But it's also cool because, like, it's once again, it gets back to the role-playing thing where it's like, you're a monster. Yeah. You don't have a fucking map. <laughs> I did like how the puzzles were very cinematic platformer in style. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game has so many cues to, you know, like the classic cinematic platformers like Flashback and Out of This World. But mm-hmm. it doesn't play like that until you're a human. Um, but all the puzzles have that feel to them. Like a lot of them I felt like, you know, it was like stage four and Flashback or something. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's always like, you know, how do I get to that lever or how the hell do I get to that door over there? Like you're racking your brain. Um, yeah. Uh, puzzles like that. And well, it just had that great like mid 90s puzzle feel. The thing that's really cool about the puzzles to me is that so you are unlocking new upgrades and abilities as you play the game and they are tied to how much mass you have. So yeah. your well, mass is both your life bar and also like a gameplay mechanic. So there's yeah. three levels, you know, there's one, two and three and you get three. I think it's three abilities for each level of mass. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the puzzles require you to like go to these special pools, drop off some of your mass, go and use one of your like level one abilities, go back, grab the mass, use one of your level two abilities, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. So they actually managed to turn like your health bar into something that you can manipulate and also like part of the puzzle design. Mm-hmm. It's and super it makes cool. you do risky moves because like 
shit. Uh, like each one of your tiers of biomass has five hits or six hits or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when you drop a bunch of biomass because you need to do like a level one ability, you only have like five hits before you're dead. Yeah. And so the, this game like keeps throwing that challenge at you towards the end. Yeah, at the, at the end it's really cool because you have like three levels of mass and you have a ton of abilities and so you'll get into a room that you could stealth through potentially if you use your level one abilities, but you could also just be level three and just be the horrible avenging gore dragon. Yeah, And like, yeah. It, was, it was really cool. I thought that was super cool that you could kind of approach it in that way. Man, the the first time you uh, go up against those guys with flamethrowers, holy shit. Yeah. Because you feel so invulnerable so much of the time because a lot of the scientists, they won't even attack or just have pistols. But then you get into a room with the flamethrower guys and they like immediately set you on fire like John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. And your monster just starts like screaming and howling in pain. It's just such a cool experience. You, you have to like, you know, like skitter away and find the closest pool of water. Yeah. yeah. No, so I was tight. I was really impressed with how they managed to keep the difficulty increasing throughout the mm-hmm. game. Uh just because yeah, when you play the first 20 minutes of it, you're like, how could this even be difficult? Like I'm just going to roll through and kill. <laughs> like it feels fun to play, but yeah. And then very quickly, it's like, oh, that's how <laughs> the humans are learning. <laughs> yeah. And near the end of the game, there are some psycho arenas that are like Mm-hmm. so hard but i don't know i i kind of thought they were always interesting just because there was always like a puzzle aspect to it or i should say like a strategy aspect to it where it's yeah, like the only times where i got annoyed with it were rooms where um you have to like defeat drones to unlock the door yeah because you know you'll jump into a room and then like four drones will pop out and you have to kind of like grab them and throw them into walls to kill them uh, sometimes it's just super annoying. Uh, I did I did like the the kind of shootouts with the humans and mechs more. Yeah, um, especially like you know like mechs and flamethrower guys at the same time. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. It's like a real challenge, but it's fun. Yeah, totally. I think the game is at its best when you have to be strategic. When you have to think about how you're going to engage mm-hmm. the people you have to engage, and when you're really using the game's systems to its fullest, you know. Yeah. So when yeah. you have to use all of your abilities, when you have to use all your tricks, and then even when you have to do that and run away in terror because, like, you're about to get machine gunned to death. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a great experience and it's cool like towards the end of the game there are definitely a few parts where I was running scared while the humans were like mm-hmm. tearing me to shreds but then yeah. you get away and you get to a safe point get your health back and then you can like figure out your next move it's so cool to like go up against a mech that has like a gatling gun that like tears you to shreds but then you like sneak up behind it and like rip the top off and then you can get to the soft squishy human inside yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about some more abilities, though. We're not going to talk about, like, the last stretch of kind of big spoiler abilities. Yeah. But there, there's just so many cool game mechanics here that are so unique to this game that I have to talk about them. Um, you know, the big one is the parasitism. Later on, you can um, shoot out a little tentacle and either latch on to a human that's alive or you could revive a dead soldier. Uh, this is really cool because you, if you attach to a human that's alive 
and the other humans don't notice, you can actually like walk among them and then just like start open firing, opening fire on them or something like that. Yeah. Sometimes they'll notice and then they start immediately shooting at you. But it's really cool because you can like take over a, a body and then have them go like unlock a switch for you and you can sneak by. Yeah. Totally. And then like uh, later on you get an ability to, it, it might be at the same time, but uh, you can, your entire body mask can pop out of the human you par you parasited. Yeah. So they just kind of like stretch and explode in like a shower of gore as you pop <laughs> yeah. out of them. It's so fucking cool. The animation for that is really awesome. It's insane. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Well, yeah, and once again, I think the design of this is super cool because, like, your little tentacle is a weak point. So, like you said, if they uh -huh. if they spot you, they'll just shoot your tentacle and you'll lose control of yep. the person. It's like the big thing about this game is I think if you're a fan of like sci-fi horror and you've watched a lot of sci-fi horror movies, like you're gonna love this game because you're playing as the monster, but you can you're playing scenes that you've seen from the perspective of the humans, like in a bunch of scenes, right? Like, oh yeah, this is the thing, dude. Like yeah. straight up, some points. So there's like, you know, people saying things on fire, people shooting tentacles, monsters like popping in and out of air vents and mm -hmm. retreating and then coming back. And it's all exactly like an 80s sci-fi horror movie. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, there are also some like more kind of like mundane traversal abilities like becoming invisible so you don't trigger lasers, um, shooting webs so you can manipulate um, levers, things like that. Uh, there's some defensive things like you can grow spikes and just like roll over groups of humans, which is really cool and gory because they kind of like stick to you for a minute. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the coolest and most unique ones is that um, when you fall underwater, instead of continuing to be this big blob, you turn into like a school of worms that yeah. like floats through the water and then you can go through vents and grates. And it's so fucking gross. Yeah. But it just feels great to play. Yeah. I mean, that's like the whole push and pull with the visual style of this game is that it's utterly disgusting, but it feels awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, it, it did make me think of Blasphemous in a way where it's like riding that line between being fun to play and being super gross. And uh, mm. I think this game is like kind of the perfect balance of those two things. Yeah, so, I mean, I love the game. The traversal is a ton of fun. The lack of a map is probably its biggest weakness. But it's got to be a design choice. But I still, I miss it. it. It hurts to not have a map on this game. I think with this game, like I said, I'm sort of viewing it as the developers making the anti-Metroidvania game. So mm -hmm. I think from an experimental standpoint, it seems like somebody was like, can you strip everything, almost everything out of a Metroidvania game that you'd traditionally expect and still make a fun and cool game? And so I think with that edict, the lack of a map didn't bother me because like I said, I also think it's designed very intuitively. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something as sprawling as a Castlevania game or as sprawling as Blasphemous where 
you get lost just because you don't know exactly where you are. Um, it's not like that. So it works for most of the game. Like I said, also, though, the end of the game is frustrating. Um, I think if there was more backtracking or more stuff like that, I would have been really pissed at not having a map. But sure. because there weren't, I, I think it's cool. The one thing that I think is kind of annoying is that, like, you have this weird UI. And I kind of mm. felt like, but if you turn it off, you don't get the text prompts anymore. So there is oh, an really? option. Yeah, there's an option to turn off the UI, which I was like, oh, I should do that. But then you don't get the text prompts. So when you pick up new abilities, it doesn't, like, tell you what they are. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So it kind of sucks where I was like, I kind of wish that the UI had been even, like, less you know Mm. if they're gonna not have a map it's like go full you know crazy predator mode in alien versus predator where like you only have the weird alien readout you know like (laughs) that would be tight yeah so i feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity because it's like if you're gonna give me a normal ui give me a map but if you're gonna take everything away then i'm kind of i'm kind of fucking down you know like give me that uv vision yeah (laughs) imagine playing the whole game in like a fleer vision oh yeah like (laughs) that'd be nuts but it's also like i feel like a lot of the choices in this game they're they're beholden to that idea of like role playing as a monster but they're also Mm. like just trying to make a game that is fun and interesting to play and and they did it like this game is super fun it's it's really beautiful i really like the art style in this game uh, I guess if I was gonna nitpick, I would say that maybe a couple of the areas look samey. Oh, yeah. Even though they do a, a really good job of making each area feel and play differently. Yes. Well, and also there's a lot of variety just based on the different forms you take, right? So there's mm-hmm. like three forms to your monster based on how much mass you have and then there's like a human form that you play in these flashback stages and Mm -hmm. all of them have different controls slightly so like you're you're getting different feels you have different ways of moving around the stage pan how large your character is and like you know how much gravity pulls on them and all that kind of thing and it, it does make it engaging because, like, when you switch back to your other form, you're like, oh, shit, I have to remember that this button does this, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and I feel that way with the different areas in the game where, like, they're all a bit different. They introduce different mechanics, and it has a good flow where it keeps throwing things at you right up to the end of the game. Yeah. So, it's, it's, you know, there are a lot of Metroidvania games in the world, you know? Is this one going to be, like, remembered in five to ten years as a classic? I, you know, I hope so, personally, because I think that, like I said in the intro, this is the Metroidvania game for people who are like, I'm so sick of Metroidvania games. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've played Hollow Knight and Bloodstained and Blasphemous and the one with the cat and all the other ones, (laughs) and, like, you're tired of it, like play this game because it Mm. will kind of take you back to that original Metroid feel of just like the simplicity being beautiful, but it's also a totally fucking insane game that doesn't play like any other Metroidvania game. I mean, this game got a good reception, but it didn't get like an amazing reception. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to win awards. Um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, this game is so experimental and innovative that I don't think it's getting its comeuppance. Yeah. yeah. No, 
I totally agree. I was actually, you know, before we did this episode, I was sort of looking, I was poking around that all internet and seeing what people were saying. And it's like, I saw at least a blurb for this game on a lot of the big gaming websites. So mm. that's good. But then in terms of seeing real reviews and real like deep dives into it, I was not seeing that. And it sucks because this is the kind of game that you want to, to have that shine, you know, like totally it. It's simple. It's incredibly well designed. It's four hours long. I keep coming back to that, but like, man, that's so nice. It's like, and the other thing too, is I think for fans of horror, it has a lot in common with that first gen of survival horror where it's like a short game. It's really punchy. It knows what it, what it is and there's nothing Mm. extra in it you know yeah and like yeah it's great i mean um it's not flawless i mean it's got some minor flaws uh but man i don't know i i would be uh i wouldn't want to give it like a five but like a four and a half feels right yeah i mean okay so the other game i'm playing right now a lot is moon the mm. recently re-released on the mm-hmm. switch like late 90s japanese experimental rpg mm-hmm. and um that is by kimura and like that's the dude who did uh rule of rose and tulip and uh, mm-hmm. and like lol and all, all these old experimental games and like now he's doing uh, onion games right yeah that's his current company and like man moon is fucking amazing uh, <laughs> moon is such a crazy game i mean it's so crazy that i started writing an essay about it that i'm going to post on our patreon like that's that's the the level that we've gotten to here that doesn't happen nice. normally but <laughs> uh it just you know and we played another one of his games we played blackbird on the show mm-hmm. which i also loved uh great soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> uh no nope. yeah i'm just fucking with james uh nope. uh but no like we play blackbird and like playing moon i love that experimental simple but deceptively deep kind of mm. video game you know and i think with those games they're never perfect because like they're not made to be perfect they're made to explore an idea that you've never seen in a game before. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's always going to be one of my favorite types of video games, right? Like, absolutely. When I think about what kinds of games I love the most or have been the most like passionate about in the past, it's always games like that. And so sometimes when we play a game for the show and it's like that, I just want to like, fall over myself to say how great it is but yeah it's because like we grew up in that era where games like moon i mean didn't come out you know sure moon got mysteriously canceled the director said he still doesn't know why and like uh yeah we just never got to play it and we had to wait over 20 years and like i don't know i i think when games like this come out now it's like you just want to tell people like this is really cool <laughs> like all right you've convinced me it's a five <laughs> you uh, heard it here first gamers yeah and like uh it, it's i don't know i want more games like this to exist i want more people to play games like this yeah and especially because like you know what do gamers love 
to do, right? Like, above all else, gamers love to complain. And (laughs) when gamers... Shoot each other, cry. Yes, all gamers know. (laughs) Is, (laughs) etc. But, like, it's just one of the big complaints, like, oh, every video game's the same, and, like, oh, like, all these AAA games are the same, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, doi, like, play this (laughs) shit, dude. Like, this shit is fucking cool. True. Yeah. True AF. Yeah. So, play this game. Also, you should probably play Moon, but you can also go read my essay on it if you need. Yeah. If you're just I not can't sure. wait to play it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that one's definitely uh, on my short list. Yeah, I was like not going to play it when it came out because I was like, I don't have time to play this. And then mm. I just immediately like, fuck it, I'm going to play this. And uh, it's like all I can think about and it sucks because I have all this stuff to think about. <laughs> I mean... People seem to like it when we do non-horror episodes. Maybe we'll cover it. Ah, that's yeah. uh, that's an idea. I mean, uh, Hitman is our number seven most listened to episode. <laughs> yeah, fucking... Can you believe that shit? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did play... Uh, I played every stage in Hitman 2, so... Sick. Yeah, we'll have to do that one. Hitman 2 ep when... <laughs> uh, the return of Agent 411. <laughs> the return oh yes his triumphant return monica's mm. also got you know her own persona so oh yeah see we'll have all three of us on and i'll yeah. have like the uh i'll be the perception of like the nerd that can't get enough and must master every stage yeah and then we'll get you know agent 411 and monica <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly talk about um, different viewpoints on the same game oh yeah totally that'll be great well i think that is the end of retro month Uh, yeah maybe yeah mostly there's there's more retro out there so oh yeah we're gonna keep talking about retro games it's probably not four in a row you know (laughs) yeah unless we need to do the next 30 hour horror epic maybe that's when the next retro month will be (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i mean what did we learn did we learn anything <laughs> yeah um old video games are good you know it's it's there's a purity in playing old games you know they're mm-hmm. bite-sized you know even these retro games that aren't real retro i mean carrion's four hours yeah. uh faith each chapter was an hour long um you could play a game like decap attack or the ha- haunting starring poltergeist for an hour each and know everything you need to know about these games. Yeah. You know, it's not a fucking adventure like The Evil Within. And it's it's not... Even, even like, a, a lot of modern action games, you know, they're all way too fucking long. And so having these little bite-sized, little charcuterie platters of retro games is a lot of fun for me, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, I 100% agree, and... I also think if there is anything that, you know, everybody could take away, it's that there is really good horror in the world of retro and retro style games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that was sort of a mindset a lot of people had for a long time where it's like, you know, horror starts at the PS1, but it really doesn't. And now that all this (laughs) stuff is more or less available to us, you know, if you have an internet connection, I think it's definitely worth everyone's time to like... Uh, check out these games and sort of check yeah. out the world of games that play like 16-bit and 8-bit 
type games, but that are still horror because there's there's cool content, there's good scares, there's great mm-hmm. worlds to explore, and it's yeah, it's just totally different from the shit you get in a modern like you know, 3D action adventure game. Yeah. You know, I mean, we'll we'll have to do more episodes like this because there's games like Warlock on the Sega Genesis. You know mm-hmm. that that B movie from the 90s. Yeah, and you know there were there there were tons of like licensed horror movie games like the Draculas and Frankenstein's and stuff like that. Uh, you know, eventually we'll cover those. Oh, like, yeah. Again, it'll it'll have to be when we cover the next thirty hour horror epic. <laughs> yeah, The Last of Us Three. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good on that one. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. I love this shit. This shit is great. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed this as well. And if you hated it, we'll be back next week with <laughs> The Evil Within 2, which is the absolute polar opposite of all this mm. shit. Yeah, well, if you hate it, you can uh, jump on Patreon, give us more money, and tell us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, if you get 11 of your friends to sign up, we'll review Dead Space, and I know you guys all want that. So close. So close. So close. <laughs>